2: Log Talk Radio.
3: Hello and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts, offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2 SB Digest, or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. You know, uh, we're entering our third year of, of doing this program, and it's always good when uh, we have a, a guest who's on previously who did so well that we, that we really look forward for him coming back. John Oshel is CEO of Swift, Swift Page, and he's here to discuss what I think is a, a very timely topic: super what Super Bowl ads can teach small businesses. I found the topic fascinating. Welcome, John.
0: Thanks, Don. Thanks for having me back.
3: Well, um, you've got a great topic, and it is timely. But as we always do, uh, we ask a guest to say a little bit about themselves uh, before we get into anything else.
0: Sure, sure. So I've been around SwiftPage for, oh, I guess since about 2006. I started as uh, just a board member and advisor and uh, then took over as CEO in 2012 and uh, led the company through uh, a couple of acquisitions where we acquired the ACT brand and the SalesLogix brand in 2013. And uh, dramatically grew the grew the company, and uh, we actually just divested off sales logics, and now we're solely focusing on uh, small business and and the ACT product line.
3: Well, having said that, what can Super Bowl ads uh, uh, teach small businesses? The floor is all yours, and just continue to talk.
0: Thanks, Don. You know it, it's funny because all the small businesses that I talk to say. You know, Super Bowl ads, they're fun to watch, but how can that help me? I mean, I don't have $4.5 million laying around, which is what the cost of a one-minute slot was in in this year's Super Bowl. Um, But what I always tell them is, is, guys, focus on three things. When you're looking at any commercial or any advertising campaign, the first thing is make sure you tell your company's story with your branding. The second is make sure your company can truly stand behind and back up the image you present in your branding. And then the third thing is, if you really want to realize growth, make sure your branding portrays the value add your company provides. So if you have those things in mind, what you need to do is then look at the commercials and not just say, oh, my God, that was so funny or great, but actually analyze those commercials and say, okay, what did that commercial do? What did it do right? What did it do wrong? And there's, there's so many examples of, of things that, uh, you know, some of them were just big bombs, of course, but some of them were really, really hit home. Um, you know, if you sit, if you talk about make sure you're, you tell your company's story, the one commercial that came to mind in this year's Super Bowl was the one from uh, Dove's Men Care. Um, and they, they basically had this thing, a hashtag real strength. And what that really said is that they know exactly what they want that brand to be and they don't pretend to do anything else. And that was really key. I mean, the, the commercial was very touching and, you know, everybody can go watch it. But they say to themselves... We know exactly what we want to be, and we're not going to waver one, uh, one iota off of that. So the real lesson there is: make sure you're consistent. You know your audience, you know your platform, and you don't want to waver uh, one iota uh, from that. So that, that's kind of one thing that you can you know, take away. Um, if you talk about you know truly standing behind and backing up the image, uh, Don, I think the one thing that came, the one commercial that comes to mind there for me this year was uh the always brand uh which you know the, it's it's a feminine hygiene product and and they are super hyper focused um on it, on their target audience uh but they also know that you know what they what they did is uh around you know make tell me show me how it looks it looks like to run like a girl and and that one uh right there it, what they were able to show is that um they can still they're solely focused and they can stand behind that and nobody can see through that. And in today's day and age, if you think you can, you know, kind of wing it and say, "Okay, this this is what I'm standing for," and if it's not really what you're standing for, you will get hammered. You'll get called on the carpet, it'll go all across social media faster than you, then you can blink an eye. So really make sure that if you're branding and you and you're trying to, uh, you know, present that that you can stand up and back that uh, back up the image that you're presenting in that band in that branding. Um, if you talk about, you know, make sure that you're uh, talking about value add. The one commercial that really comes to mind uh, this year was, um, it was, you know, the one that I call the other cell phone commercial. It was the Sprint commercial, and it was just funnier than than heck. I mean, it was the one that had the screaming goats, and and at the end, it, you know, it had the, uh, the 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 donkey on there. Um, and so everybody thinks, oh, that's really funny. But if you really look at what they were saying, is that they were portraying exactly the value that they can add to the customer. And the customer walked away with not only that was a great commercial, but they were like, holy smokes, you're going to cut my bill in half. They, they know exactly what the value is. So that's a, you know, the, the third thing that, that you really need to do. Make sure that whatever you're doing in your branding portrays exactly what that value add that you're trying to portray, um, and make sure that you get that message out to, to, to your customers.
3: Well, you know, it, it's interesting you mention it. Uh, I'm probably the only man, man in America who didn't see the Super Bowl because we were uh, knee-deep in something else. But um, uh, I had an experience uh, uh, just this week. Uh, my alarm system went out uh, haywire, and the mm-hmm. cops came three times. Uh, and, and I could not get good customer service. And then I saw... Around the the the, uh, uh, the Super Bowl afterwards, when I turned on the TV, a commercial for that particular fire um, uh, alarm company saying what a great service person they were, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, uh, by that time I was just tearing my hair out. So um, uh, saying that, um, you know, you 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 may have the idea. But well, 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 what do you need to do to make sure your uh, employees know that?
0: That's that's great. So it it really starts with as a company making sure that you invest the time and effort to really get capture information about your customers, uh, and once you have that, make sure it, obviously it's stored in, in a place where everybody can uh, can can get at it. Um, but then make sure you invest the time to say, okay, I'm going to analyze that, understand what uh, what are the key points that my customers uh, really uh, really represent, and then make sure that everybody in your company understands that. And that gets all the way back, all the way up to, if you don't have a very strong purpose of your company, why do you exist? And if your employees don't all buy into that purpose... Um, it's going to be really hard for you to uh, to, to portray uh, the messages that you're out. If it's just a message that's up on a wall somewhere and say, oh, customer service is number one for us, but people truly don't believe it and they don't believe how that relates directly into your customer base, then it is just lip service. And and as you pointed out in, in your example, um, that lip service, it only has to happen one time. Now you're going to talk about it. We're talking about it on, on this on this show, and it's just going to get around, and people will see directly through that. So it really does start, you know, I know it sounds like a cliché, but it really does start from the top down. Everybody needs to understand what's the purpose of the company, why are we here, what are we trying to do, and everybody believe in it, and then make sure you really, truly uh, get intimate and have the uh, information about each of your customers.
3: Well, uh, on that note, which of the commercials that you you saw really didn't address that point didn't really show the value of the company
0: you know that's, that's an that's a really interesting one i think there was a, a few uh, uh kind of like uh, uh bombs if you would I, I would say that the one um that that i would point out that was extremely interesting to me which was a complete uh, try and, and try and be a, a totally different company was the go daddy so we've all come to know uh, GoDaddy's commercials. We actually all look forward to the, you know, that's the one we're going to talk about the most the, the, the day after because it's so controversial, or it's you know it's this that, or the other thing. And they actually did a um, a commercial this year, uh, which actually never aired, and it was the one about a puppy. I don't know if you if you heard that or not, but they they had this one where a puppy came back, and then somebody sold the puppy and and it got such a, a visceral response from from people negative response that they actually pulled the ad uh and then they ran another ad which was probably the biggest Ho-Hum ad that you could you know you could ever had where it had a, a, a small business person sitting at the desk and saying you know this person's not uh not watching the Super Bowl because he's you know working on his business and we support small business and you looked at that and you said you know that truly, truly does not reflect what GoDaddy is all about. Now, maybe they're trying to change or, or whatever, but you know what GoDaddy is all about is that uh, pushing the envelope on the edge, edgy commercials. You know, if you if you use our product, you know you can you can be edgy as well. So it was really uh, you know dictating to a, a, a particular audience, and they completely shifted to another audience uh and I think it you know although where everybody's talking about it I think it was actually uh, kind of a kind of a bomb quite frankly
3: mm. yes it's interesting cuz I happen to think one of the top um, to me one of the top uh, service companies for small bu- business is GoDaddy they certainly treat me and everybody I know really well and and it's right. interesting you say that um uh you know it's also a company uh somewhat in flux uh what, what you know uh, uh you now have act which i think was one of the great coups um mm-hmm. you're you're now looking at, at the world um you, you, if i heard you right you say you sold off the other parts and now you're focusing what, right. uh just on act what, what uh that's a kind of a shift um and when how do you uh go about focusing from one or two companies into one and and how do you and is it working better for you
0: yeah that you know it's a great question we 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 basically when we had act and sales logics we we kind of span across multiple segments of the market you know act is really focus on what we call the micro and small business. And we define micro as that solopreneur or very small business, one to 10 employees. And, and then small is, you know, that 10 to 25 to you know, maybe tops out at 50. And then sales logics is more that mid comp met size company to the enterprise. And, and our DNA Swift page, where we came from was always focused on the, on the small business. And, and so as, uh, as we divested off sales logic, it really got us back to our core D- DNA, which is how do we focus on on the small business? And, and we all rallied around, you know, how can we help fuel small business growth? And we really took a look at you know the state of the economy in the U.S. today, the state of the economy in the world, and we we, we truly believe that the backbone of the economy, not only in the U.S. but in the world, is the small business. And if we can help fuel small business, we can absolutely, you know, help the economy with, within the U.S. And, and the world economy. And that's the purpose that, that we looked at, and we got every single – we call ourselves Swifties, and we're all part of what we call Swift Page Nation. Um, you know, we got every Swifty to rally around the fact of, do you want to focus on helping to fuel small business growth, which is going to help the world economy? Uh, and that's how we got every, everybody focused and rallied. Um, and it's i'll tell you it's been it's been great we've been uh we divested off sales logics in uh september of, of last year and uh you know i would say that the 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 um, productivity uh and the uh the culture and and everything around swiftpage has just gone through the roof uh, for us right now uh, we've been able to release a, a number of products. We're we're in our sweet spot, uh, if 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 you can uh, can imagine that. And uh, you know, it's it's really been a, a great great thing for us.
3: Do you know that in the the, uh, the uh, last century, in the tens, in the teens, in the twenties, Swifties was uh, came from Tom Swift, and that uh, you made a. Uh, 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 Swifty, if you said, uh, Tom spoke dramatically as he went on the stage. Uh, are you familiar with that?
0: No, I'm not actually. I know I, some, somebody did tell me that a Swifty in Australia means that you're a speeder and you get a speeding ticket, but uh, I haven't heard this one.
3: Well, that's because I'm a lot older than you. And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but it, 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 Tom Swift and the Swifties—it was a craze. And it lasted into the '30s and '40s, uh, but uh, uh, he was uh, one of the first uh, Buck Rogers type uh, uh, characters. But uh, anyway, okay. Uh, when you said okay. Swifty, I immediately remembered that.
0: <laughs> that's that's great. That's great. I have, have to look through, through that. Uh, I'm, I'm, we the, the Swift, uh, Swifties. The Swifties. Swift Page Nation. We uh, we we love to get these kind of uh, stories because we then uh, you know tie them to ourselves. So that that's great. We'll look that up for sure.
3: Okay, John, you have to go. Uh, I'm really uh, glad you came. Uh, um, come again, and we'll have another topic to talk talk about.
0: Great, Don. Thanks so much for having me.
3: Well, no, thank you for coming, and good luck. Thank you. Our next guest is Martin Lindback. He's an international sales authority and author of no is short for next opportunity. How do top sales How top sales professionals think? And uh, I love this topic, uh, Martin. You're going to hear talk about uh, how to how to answer the question. That you're too expensive. Welcome to the show. Hey,
2: it uh, might have us in the wrong order. This is Levi King with Credit Terra. I think Martin's up after oh, me.
3: Oh. Oh, boy. And I bet you Martin's just coming on board now. Um, my fault again. C-I-M. Uh, Martin, um, uh, Levi, can I ask you to call, either stay on, or you're welcome to stay on, and we'll, uh, we'll go, uh, we'll talk with Martin and then uh, talk with you. But you're welcome to stay on, listen, and if you have a comment, uh, please uh, uh, don't hesitate to come in. All right?
2: Sounds good. Okay.
3: Okay. Well, I just, Martin, I just uh, uh, introduced you, and uh, I'm a little confused right now, but that's okay. Uh, people have said I've been confused all my life. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Martin, you're going to talk about uh, Noah's short for Next Opportunity. I love it. How do you say, uh, how do you answer a person? Um, when they say you're too expensive?
1: First of all, thank you for the invitation, Don. I would say when somebody says
3: you are too expensive,
1: I know. That's why we have a good product with a good quality, and your benefit will be. So that means uh, in the first beginning, you have to make really all the questions to find out what he really wants, what he needs, and then I would always answer with my benefits, and yeah, just tell people, yes, we know that we are not that cheap. We know that we are more expensive than others, but for that you become.
3: Well, you you sent me a list of 10 very good examples, so um, if you have them in front of you or if you know them, why don't you go through the list? Because I thought it was, in fact, I thought it was so good, I put up half the list on our front page of our uh, uh, news newsletters uh, tonight that, that will appear tomorrow. So just go through that list, if you don't mind.
1: Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure.
3: Be ready so start, to win. That's the, I'm sorry, I stepped on your line. Start over, Martin.
1: Okay. Number one,
3: be ready to win. Believing is seeing.
1: What do I mean with that? Truth yourself, believe in yourself, because in sales, everything starts with what we believe with our drive to win. Visualize yourself shaking your client's hand, presenting your pitch, and closing the deal. If you can see it, you can do it. That's the first one. The second one,
3: right away, Don? Keep going. It's all yours. Okay.
1: All right. The second one, play where the puck is going to be. As former NHL player and head coach, Wayne Gretzky said, a good hockey player plays where the puck is. A great hockey player plays where the puck is going to be. The same is true in closing the sale. The goal here is not to cram in as many sales phrases as you can and reel them off to your client. Rather, the goal is... Uh, And anticipate your client's next move, and enrich yourself arsenal to that with any client in any situation. Face with any objection, you're prepared enough to close the deal, and that's a very important thing. And I, I love that idea from Gretzky: a good hockey player plays where the puck is; a great hockey player, player plays where the puck is going to be. And that's very, very important in your business that you make yourself a great strategy. Third, generating interest is half of the battle. Like I say, no is short for next opportunity. A customer who raises an objection is no way a customer you are about to lose. In fact, an objection is proof of the fact that the customer is considering your offer. Capitalize on that. You will hear no and you will hear it frequently. It's normal. What's important is what you do with that no. When you hear the word no, give some more thought to your client's needs. Ask more questions. Maybe you listen more carefully. Identify what your customer really wants. Be polite and presenting at the same time. Make adjustments. It's hard work. Sometimes it takes four atoms or five or six. It may take several days, weeks or months but in the end, you would be surprised how many no's you can turn into a yes. By the way, I have on my wish list a new customer. I'm trying to get him over 10 years now, and in two weeks we have an appointment. And I have a new product. It's an online product, and he really liked that idea. So it's always very important that no is short for next opportunity. Four, never global. Uh even when the client makes it clear that he he or she is in charge, it is forbidden for success sales professionals to grow or become submised. A top salesperson has pride and a price. A high price to performance radio means just that not only a high price but also a high performance to go with it. And the five one, ask for the sale. Remember what you're there for. It's neither to just offer professionals adjusts. adjust, nor it's to explain all the technical features of your product in the very last detail. You have one goal, and that's to close the deal. Don't miss your chance. Focus. There is no wrong time to close the deal. The right time is any time. But your client won't throw their money after you. You need to ask for sales. And that's what I always say when you summarize all of the points in running a small business and in sales, rejection comes with a territory. Be ready to handle that rejection like a pro. Stay positive. Stay focused. Once you have decided to have fun selling, you win no matter what. And that's what I believe in. And that's the reason why I say no is short for next opportunity. Yeah, that's my five <laughs> points.
3: Okay, well you got 10 Go, and you you're on a roll. So keep going. You uh you sent me 10 and uh, I thought uh, there's a couple that you uh, that you haven't mentioned that I thought were really good. So keep going.
1: Yeah, what what else I, I can what else I can tell you. For me it's very important what a lot of people forget in sales is why they they are. And I think our customers in those days, they, they're very overloaded right now because we have like what I call a hybrid uh, um, a situation where people, they are more smarter than years ago, they go online. So sometimes they consult themselves online and buy still offline. Or they consult themselves offline and buy online. So you always have to chance to do something. And I think the the most important thing that everybody... Is is like what I say a salesperson. If you have kids, uh, you're always in a sales pitch. Uh, your first date is a sales pitch. Um, when you have employees, <laughs> you you in a you in a sales pitch because you tell them what to do, and it depends how good you sell that they will do it. So, I found out the first thing for sales is to have the right attitude. If you just say I'm a consultant, that's fine. And, of course, we have to consult our clients. Uh, depends on what services or products we sell. But at the end, after all consultants, I want to seal the deal. So that's what I always think and what I always find out when I talk to people out there. They have great ideas. Uh, They have a great product idea or service idea and start a business. But they forget to bring it out to the world. And that means, Cold calling, prospecting customers, uh, and thinking—you know how to find new customers or uh, getting recommendations—all uh, great marketing is fine. But again, at the end, I have to seal the deal, and I have to—I I always have to have that in that mind because if I don't sell the customer something, somebody else will do it.
3: Well, you know. Um... Uh, one thing that small businesses have told me, we do an annual survey, is that uh, in the past couple of years, people have been shopping price. And you had, in one of your uh, things, if you if you get it at 90%, you only get 90% effort. Uh, and I thought that was a great answer. Could you uh, kind of elaborate on that one?
1: Yeah. See, sometimes you need a strategy in pricing. For an example, when the customer says, you are too expensive, then like I said before, sometimes you need a strategy. And sometimes I just said, I just use a phrase, depends on the market, depends on the customer, depends on the situation. But sometimes I just say, when they say, you are too, too expensive, okay, you get 100% for 100% or 90% for 90%. Or they say, others do it cheaper. Then just say, I know. And then shake your head a little bit. I know. And then be quiet. Wait what happened? And the other oh. side he said, um you're you're too too expensive. Okay, what what should should we put out of the list of your benefits and then we can make it cheaper. So you know, if we make no money afterwards we cannot give you a very good service. So if we if we don't get any money in the front up, we cannot invest in a the backup then for you customer. And um, so sometimes I can just use a sentence like that. depends always on the product or the service, but he has to see that I believe in my price. And here comes the most important thing. But what I found out, a lot of entrepreneurs and salespeople don't believe in their own prices. And your customer is like a, a dog. He can feel if you believe in your price. And if he, if he feels that you are on fear, the dog will what do? and will go after you. And that's the same thing what your customer do. If he feels that you're not believing in your price for your service or your product, you always have a price negotiation. So get the right attitude for sales. And get the right uh-huh. attitude for your price.
3: Uh, Martin, the name of your book again?
1: No is short for Next Opportunity.
3: Okay. Martin, I want you to stay on, because uh, Levi Kemp is with us. He's from Crediteria. He wants to talk about debunking S- SMB credit misconceptions, and I'd love um, if you have any thoughts as you listen in to, to, uh, um, to chime in, if you want to stay on.
1: Okay, I will. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation, Uh
3: Levi... Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me.
3: And uh, Thank you for being patient. Um, first off, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what does Credeteria do?
2: Yeah, you bet. I uh, thro- About myself, through my 20s, I started several small businesses. I owned a manufacturing company, manufactured electric signs, awnings, and neon. I owned a hotel. And I owned several uh franchises in the, the restaurant industry in Colorado and then later also owned um a financial services business for Hispanics where we had retail locations in Idaho and offered auto insurance, payday loans, uh mortgages, things like that, all financial services. So I have a, a deep background at being a small business owner. But then my first technology company that I founded is called Lendio. and At Lendio, we take the qualification criteria of a business owner and their business, and we match those against the underwriting criteria of lots of different loan products so that we can create instant matches and get uh, business owners funded without making them go from lender to lender to lender getting declined before they see what they're actually qualified for. And before I started Credit Terra, while I was still at Lendio, we had – Um, Many, many uh, small businesses from around the country come through our platform, and the vast majority could never get financing they were in love with. Um, Half or more couldn't get any financing, Um, but most of them that could get financing, uh, it was typically expensive financing, and just a small percentage could get financing that they actually liked. And as As we looked at the underlying data, we could see that it was always a credit problem. Either their credit or the business's credit, something was off in the data. And um, looking deeper, about half of the folks who had something wrong with their data, with one to 12 months of work, they could get their ducks in a row and then qualify for financing or for better financing. So after a lot of time at Lendio, I left and launched Credit Terra, where we give business owners visibility into their credit data to help them understand how it's used. Uh, We help them improve it. We help them take advantage of it. So... Um, We have a free product where they can gain access to one personal credit score report and alert um, and then two business credit ratings, one from Dun & Bradstreet, the other from Experian Business, and they can get the rating on their business as well as a summary report, credit report, and the ongoing alerts associated with the data set, all for free. There's no, no, no expiration on that, no credit card required. And then they can. We also offer a bunch of tools that they can use to either establish their credit if they're a new business or they just don't have much reporting. So we send them to different creditors that will will extend a small credit line, um, either for a gas card or or for goods and services, uh, even if they don't have any credit at all. But that way they can start to build up their credit. And then, um, so we help them establish credit. We also help them correct errors. Uh, we use a predictive technology that we developed to look for errors in kind of the raw credit data, and as we suggest those errors, if indeed they are inaccuracies, the business owner can dispute those items to the credit bureau directly through our product so they can improve their scores. And, and then we take that data and let them know what types of financing they're qualified for, so it's not a not hypothetical recommendations; They're based on their actual data. And also let them know where they can save money, um, if they're overpaying for goods and services where the costs are, are influenced by credit data, so that's kind of my background. makes uh, makes uh, some context to Credit Terra, having been a business a business owner in several small businesses where I, I really struggled to learn how credit worked and impacted my business in different industry verticals, and then seeing hundreds of thousands of small businesses go through Lendio and struggle with trying to get financing, and that all kind of culminated in a business model here at Credit Terra where we can offer something for free. If They're really a credit nerd, they can upgrade to a premium and uh, a, a premium version of membership where they can gain very deep access into more data sets. You know, the, the vast majority don't, they're just interested in the free high level version. Um, but all of the customers, whether they're using a free product or paid product, they of course have a high interest in seeing what type of financing uh, they qualify for based on their actual data. So that's that's kind of like the the ten thousand foot view, but gives some context as, as to why um, me and my business partner brought this uh, brought this product to market.
3: So, what are some of the misconceptions SMBs have?
2: Uh, there there's, uh, there are misconceptions both as it relates to personal credit and business credit. So, um, with business credit, a lot of small businesses are are unaware they even have a business credit score or rating on their business, um, they may think because they haven't had a formal business loan that maybe there's no score. But unlike consumer credit, where to really generate any type of a score, you have to have borrowed money or had some type of financial, consumer financial instrument, as a business, you can get a score over time just through your, your trade partners reporting on you, through public records, Um, or even just on your industry and revenues and time in business, because those are things that the bureaus can use to gauge risk uh, at one level or another. So one misconception is that, well, I probably don't have any business credit, where in many cases the businesses do have credit, and and oftentimes it isn't that great. Um, Another misconception is that uh, using credit or, or debt in your business hurts your credit. It is true uh, for a consumer. If they, for example, max out all their personal credit cards, that their credit scores will drop substantially. Or a business owner maxing out their personal credit card, same story. Uh, but for a business, um, it, it doesn't work quite the same with business credit. Um, you, you use that, and that shows responsibility, and, and it doesn't necessarily hurt your credit. So those are a couple examples of common misconceptions that business owners have uh, about credit, about their business's credit.
3: Well, for instance, um, when I ever Dun & Bradstreet calls me and uh, wants to take my information, I say no. Is that wrong?
2: Um, I, in my opinion, it's wrong because they they want accurate information on file. So if, if folks are, if, if, uh trade partners are looking at your credit and they're looking at wrong information, then I, I would say that's something that should concern you, and you definitely want them to look at the right information. And there's lots of potential errors in, in the data that Dun & Bradstreet has. For example, your industry code could be wrong. And some industries are tagged as risky just because of the industry. And if you have been assigned to an erroneous industry, that could be a major problem for you. Or your revenues might be wrong. Maybe the Bureau picked up a revenue number early in your business life cycle, and now three years later you have a lot of revenues, but the Bureau doesn't know. And so if you go apply for something and state revenues that look higher and they pull your credit and see that the bureau thinks it's a lower number that looks a little bit fraudulent. So I think it's a great idea for any business to make sure that the information that Dun & Bradstreet or Experian business that they have, that it is accurate. The exact same way you would want uh, your, the, the consumer bureaus to have accurate information. If You looked at your consumer data and you saw there was an erroneous tax lien or something like that. You definitely want to get it taken care of and give them the correct information. I believe the exact same thing applies to, to business credit. Well, uh,
3: we, we we're in business now 15, 15 years, and we've never borrowed. Um, uh, we've never borrowed to expand. Um, you're, if I heard you right earlier, you're saying we should have borrowed, uh, if for no other reason to build up a, our credit.
2: Uh, yes and no. I mean, you never want to borrow if you don't need to because then you're just you're paying unnecessary interest costs. But uh, there's probably different times in the life cycle of your business where it might have been more convenient to borrow than however you bootstrap things in the business. Um, but I, you're virtually guaranteed to have a credit rating from the bureaus with 15 years in business, even if you've never borrowed. So it'd be very interesting to see what those uh, credit reports look at how risky they think your business is. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if you find a major disconnect where because you have 15 years in business and you bootstrapped it and you didn't borrow money, that shows discipline and a lot of hard work, and you're probably very low risk. Um, But it would be interesting to see if the bureau agrees because they may not have the right data or they may may not have enough data to make that call, so you you may not have that great of credit. Um, Mm -hmm. Just like as a consumer, like my dad, for example, who paid off all his debt in 1970 and has never borrowed since, he doesn't have great credit because he doesn't have anything reporting, so he looks risky, but he actually has everything paid off. He's, he's a low-risk guy. Does it matter if he never uses his credit? No. But if it ever comes up that he needs to use his credit, it'll be a problem. So the same thing is yeah. true with your business.
3: Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, evidently. It's interesting. The one time I went to, uh, we went to borrow money at a bank, they looked at us and said, "Well, you don't have any assets." Yet we had a database of 11 million businesses, uh, and and they w- wouldn't value it at, at anything, uh, which really turned us off and uh, made us uh, uh, not seek a loan ever again. And uh, you know, I'm you know I'm discussing our business, but uh, when I when I heard about you, I wanted you on the program. Because it's it's been fascinating, and in our we have an annual study, and uh, consistently over the last five years, the number one problem small businesses have had is getting uh, getting financing, and uh, uh, you know the, uh, even companies that uh, have been in business when we broke it down into uh, years in business, uh, it was interesting that the ones that were the the highest uh, uh score on this came from companies uh, uh seven plus years uh in business and i found that fascinating
2: yeah and and that isn't a surprise I, you know in your case when the bank wanted collateral that could have been due to a lack of credit so if a business doesn't have a uh, credit built up then the bank has to look at something else to to mitigate risk and so a lot of times they go to collateral so it could could have been that if you had or credit back then that, that you they wouldn't have asked for collateral. Regarding your second comment, what's fascinating about the this consistent um, message that small business owners are struggling to get capital is that we have record amounts of liquidity with financial institutions that have money to lend. So clearly capital isn't the problem. There's money out there. The problem is these businesses aren't qualified to get it. And so that's obviously the, the problem we try to solve is, Okay, If, if there's record, record liquidity amongst lenders that would love to give you money and you have a business that you feel like is robust and low risk and you can't get money, why is that? There's a problem in the data. It, it will always come back to a problem in the credit data. And so we're obviously seeking to educate millions of small businesses about their credit data so that we can, we can fix the underlying problem of why, okay, now if there's capital and you can't get it, why is that? It's due to your data, and so, um, so that's the crazy contradiction. There's a ton of liquidity out there, and all the businesses want it, but they still can't get it. And and the credit data in the middle is, of course, the problem.
3: Um, uh, your website
2: uh, that people can go to. Yeah, um Credit and Era, and they can sign up for free for a three-bureau product where they can gain, like I said, visibility. Mm-hmm into the three different data sets as well as um fix problems and errors or build up their credit or your financing it's all available for free.
3: So if uh, could you kind of summarize what a small business sh- should do again for our audience? I think they they were j- barely listening. I think they're listening very hard right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If they're a new business, they need to get established. So they need to They can get on record with the bureaus through our product. Again, it's free, and then they're on record. We'll send them places through our product where they can sign up for credit accounts that that, uh, will be extended to a brand-new business with no history, Then they can start to build up the credit history. If the business is already established, then they need to go through our our scan and make sure that the data is accurate. If it's not, they need to dispute it. And if the data is too skinny, even if they've been in business a long time, there's not much reporting. They should build it up just like they're a new business. Um, so once they do all that and they, they have their ducks in a row, then a lot of these challenges that they currently have in accessing not just financing but favorable financing uh, will, will start to go away.
3: Well, Martin, you're, you've been on. You, uh, you've been listening. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you say to people when they say no to, to giving you a loan? Have you thought about that?
1: sure the first the first thing here is too is for me, a sales pitch too. how you prepare, for an example, when you go for a bank to get a loan or if you're looking for business angels or investors, how you present your ID. and see, I believe uh, I just talked to to some people who invest in in small businesses in Germany. They don't invest about the the ideas. The really ones do it because of the people. Uh, sometimes you find, they, they say, great, great people, but not a good idea. And then they say, I invest in them because these great people will get a good idea. And sometimes they find people, they have a great idea, but they don't believe in the people, so they don't invest. So it's the same thing. Uh, have a good preparation. I remember a guy, a friend of mine, who wants to build up a golf course and he need money for that. So they went to a bank and they had a presentation there. And then they wrapped everything in a nice leather. Uh, they they make it like uh, the, the, the asking for the loan was was a book that they built of with nice pictures, and they put it in the leather. And then the CEO said, "Sure, we invest in that." And and the other bank, they they make the test. They did it just written in regular stationery, and they didn't get the loan. So. Um, I believe very much what, what, what he said too uh, and the other thing is you have to make there a good sales pitch also. Uh,
3: Levi, is uh, how you present yourself important and and do you help people present themselves better?
2: Yeah, absolutely. How you present yourself matters, particularly um, within banking organizations that still uh, look deep kind of at the into the individual themselves and what they're working on. You'll find that more with community banks and credit unions than you will some of the national banks. They simply just can't scale that that part of a bank. But most community banks and credit unions still use a loan committee to, to manually approve loans, and they'll talk about the person and how that person presented themselves and their business plan. So, yeah, it absolutely matters, especially depending on the type of lender that you're working with. Um, so yeah, if, if you go in and say hey, I want a hundred thousand dollars, what are you going to do with it? I'm not sure, but I, I'll put it to use. Even if you have amazing credit, you'll probably make that lender nervous if you don't have a good plan and, and you don't prepare well for the conversation.
3: Well, uh, um, right now for small business, where, where are the best places to go for for uh, loans?
2: Yeah, I think the best places. The most, the single most overlooked source of, of good capital is business credit card. It's, it's so obvious, but people just don't think about it. Even if they're a newer business, it's super flexible to use. Um, in addition to that, I think there are small SBA loans. Like SmartBizLoans.com is a great SBA lender you can go to that's really streamlined the SBA loan process. Or uh, uh, Celtic Bank out of Salt Lake City loans nationally for SBA loans. So if you have great credit, you have those types of options available. If your credit's not quite as good, there's lenders like Funding Circle, Foundation, DealStruck that are kind of mid-prime, so they're not subprime and super expensive, but they're more flexible than a bank. Um, if, you, if you're if you still not qualified for mid-prime financing, there's um, favorable subprime or unfavorable subprime, but there's great lenders like OnDeck, Capital, stand Capital that, uh, that will also – be more creative. Of course, the worse your credit data, then the worse your options as far as the cost of financing. But sometimes cost isn't the only factor. If you are a retailer, you have an opportunity to stock um, a hot item for the holidays, and it's going to be expensive money. You know, you're gonna, Let's say you're going to pay 30% interest, and that's expensive. But if you're going to mark up the product by 1,000%, you have the margin, then great. You get the high-cost loan, because you're still you can bake it into your margin but there are, there are lots of places to get money it's just your credit is going to determine whether you qualify for cheap money or expensive money
3: um you you said 30% what is um, uh for a good credit rating do you have any idea what people are paying for uh, uh for loans and credit uh you know you know we hear that um um we we hear that um, uh uh you know the uh, interest rates are at an all time low. But do you have any idea, uh can you give us any ranges of what the people are paying?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and rates are at an all time low.
3: You feel that that's a lot more
2: obvious in the consumer space than it is in the commercial space. There there is always a little bit of a premium typically in the in the commercial space over the consumer space as far as what you pay, so for a traditional bank product or SBA loan or lending club, anything that's more of a prime product, you'll be somewhere sub ten, but you won't be super, super low like you see with some home equity lines of credit. You probably more like six to eight or nine percent. And then if you're in the mid prime category, you'll you'll spend somewhere between ten and twenty percent. And I said on debt capital is subprime, but they also have mid prime products. And then uh, in the in the subprime world you'll be a uh above 20 and it could be 100 percent interest a year because it may be a 30 percent interest over three months so over a year obviously it's much higher than 30 percent uh so so those are those are the rates i mean money is expensive if you're if your data is bad like i said there are lots of scenarios where it still makes sense but um even even an sba lender may charge a really clean credit file right now seven or eight percent on a loan which seems high Um, But historically, it's it's still not that high. That's still a great rate.
3: It sounds like uh, uh, I'm told the average uh, uh, personal uh, credit card is uh, around 11%. So uh, you're still doing better at it. Uh, uh, Lenders take into into consideration the owners, how much the owner has in uh, a credit card debt. Am I right?
2: Absolutely. It's a huge factor. The personal credit card debt uh, has a big impact on the personal credits. Uh, and in most lending scenarios, even if your business credit is amazing, your personal credit still comes into play. So, yeah, per- personal uh, revolving credit card debt is, is a big deal. And that's one area that we our customers oftentimes find uh, a lot of errors. So, for example, Super common for business owners to use their personal credit cards and pay those off every month in their business. But if they're usually with with a lot of the lenders, if they're paying the bill on the due date, the they won't get a late payment even though the payment hasn't cleared on the due date. The payment was just initiated on the due date. What happens though is the lender will typically report that revolving balance to the bureaus, even though a few later a few days later it clears and it's paid off. And so we have a lot of customers with an artificially low credit score. Because of the the way that the data cycles are reported to the bureaus, whereas if those same folks use a business credit card that doesn't report their personal credit, it wouldn't matter. Their personal credit would be a hundred points higher, and, uh, and and everything would be better for them. So personal credit card debt is a is a major problem for business owners. Like I said in, in that example I gave, even when they're paying it off every month, depending on how the reporting cycle works with between the bank and the and the credit bureaus.
3: Hmm. So, uh, so you have to make sure that you pay it off on time.
2: Yeah, ahead of time. You need to initiate the payment ahead of time, about a week ahead of time, so that it clears uh with that with your bank before they the payments due and they close out the information and report to the Bureau. If you really wanna look like you act how you should with no revolving debt and then you'll have a lot higher credit score.
3: Um well, um places like um uh well, the blue uh, uh you know um, computer stores et cetera i can uh my mind went blank as to uh, uh where they offer you uh, no uh, if you buy a piece of equipment they don't charge you any interest for a year um uh and and some sometimes uh as happened with me just this month uh, uh we bought some equipment and i uh they didn't give uh you know uh, they didn't charge interest for a year we were paying it off and uh, because i was traveling i didn't pay it off uh, they also reported to the uh, uh credit bureau am i right
2: yep yeah you got to be really careful with those types of financing offers they can really catch you
3: yeah um again your website
2: it's uh, credit era which is c r e d i t e r a creditera.com.
3: Credit okay um i i will tell you that as soon as i finish this program i'm going to go on the site uh and put in our stuff just to see uh you s- certainly raised m- my interest and in my uh, martin do you have any last thoughts we're getting towards the end of the program and you've been patient on here. Do you have any uh, uh, summa, summarize uh, what you said and uh, any other thoughts you have?
1: Yeah, just I uh, want to hear what uh, you guys are talking and saying. So it doesn't matter how hard it seems at the beginning, visualize already your success and just do it because no short for next opportunity. So
3: hang on. And the name of your book again?
1: The name of my book is "No" is short for "Next Opportunity." How top sales representatives think.
3: Do you have a no, website? Uh, do you have a website?
1: Yeah, martinlimbeck.com. Martinlimbeck.com. Just in one thing.
3: Well, can you spell it out for our audience?
1: M-R-T-I-N Martin. Limbek. dot com.
3: Levi, you're gonna. Uh, Levi, you're gonna get the last word. Any uh, final thoughts for our audience?
2: Yeah, I encourage everybody to go to our website and sign up for our pre product, so you can see if you get a, a surprise good or bad. And and depending on what you find, we may have another
3: conversation on a future show. Well, uh, I I, I rest assured I'm going to do it at the end of this program. Martin Limbeck, Levi Kimpf, have I pronounced it correctly?
1: Yep. Yes, very good. good.
3: Well, sometimes I don't. Um, But anyway, I want to thank both of you for uh, what I think was a very illuminating uh, uh, time, and uh, I hope you'll come back again later on this year and talk more.
2: You bet. Thanks for having us.
3: No, thank you. Yeah. You've been, uh, thank you very much. It's It's been a very interesting uh, 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 time, and I hope our audience uh, learned something. Thank you both. You're welcome. Thank you for listening tonight. Welcome. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience and profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at BlogTalkRadio.com/smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me. At info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net.
1: Lucky Land
2: Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? ha! in my dentist's office.